John chapter 4 tonight. John chapter 4. Some of the things I'm going to say in this message, they might sound kind of mean, I guess, but um, I'm just going to speak the truth tonight and just, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to tell it how it is. Don't beat around the bush. You know, I try to be a nice person. I try to find the positive and everything, but there's some stuff that's just stupid and pointless that people do. They they think they're doing this great, wonderful thing. And I'm not I'm not saying they're bad people trying to do these things. I'm just saying what they're doing is not really doing anything and it's not really helping. And you know, I'm not trying to say I know what's in people's hearts and what's behind it, but I think it's kind of obvious what it is sometimes and sometimes we'll do good things you know, I guess what on the surface are good things to maybe get out of something that we actually should be doing. And, you know, for, and uh, I'll give some examples. You'll know more what I'm talking about as we read some of these passages of Scripture. But I want us to start in John chapter 4 in verse 5 through 15 tonight. We're going to look at two very familiar stories here. And we're going to see people that had some real spiritual needs. Real spiritual needs that Jesus took care of. And they also had some physical needs that we're also taken care of in these stories. But and tonight, I want to talk about taking care of the real problem. I want us to learn to identify what the real problem is in our life and when you're trying to help somebody. You know, we, want, you know we, do, we want to help people in this church. We want to make a difference in people's lives. But we need to learn to help in the right areas. And sometimes, these days, people literally, you know, they can almost be enablers. Whenever they're trying to help somebody, sometimes they actually are making things worse for that person in the way they help them. We don't want to do that. So let's look at, and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about here. John chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the will is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But that water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now, I want you, now we know this story. This is a very familiar story about the woman of the well, the water of life. We've heard that. We all... What is that water that Jesus wanted to give where she would never thirst again? Eternal life. life. Salvation. That's a great thing about salvation and eternal life. When you get saved, you never need to get saved again, do you? That thirst for 
Christ, that thirst for eternal life, you just have to take that water of life one time and it's quenched forever. You don't have to take it again and again and again. And that is what was so special about this story and what Jesus was trying to teach her. I mean, uh, something that can quench your thirst and you'll never need it again. That's a great thing. But notice this woman, she was coming to the well, correct? Now, why was she going to the well? She's thirsty. She's thirsty, okay? She needed a drink of water. It was about the sixth hour, which would be noon there time. You know, hey, it's the middle of the day. It's hot out probably. And she got thirsty. She needed a drink of water. And here she comes with a need. And Jesus, He asked her for a drink of water. Talking about the physical water because He was physically thirsty. And then He tells her, basically, you know, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me to give you water where if you drink it, you would never thirst again. She looks at him and she's thinking, what are you talking about? You don't even have anything to draw with. And what is this water where I can drink it and never thirst again? And you know the story. You know how Jesus said, go and get thy husband. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you, know, you have five husbands. And you're living with a man that's not your husband. He pointed, he was pointing out the sin that was in her life. And she needed, to, she needed to repent of that sin. She needed to be saved from her sin. And we know she was saved. And she went and told everyone about this water of life. But notice, she came with a phys- she had a physical need, didn't she? She needed a drink of water. We don't see in the story where she gets that drink of water. She might have got a drink of water. But either way, it doesn't really matter. Jesus wasn't there to help her get a drink of water. Jesus was there to give her what she really needed. You know why she had five husbands and was living with a man that wasn't her husband? Because she needed the water of life. She was a lost sinner and she needed to be saved. And And Jesus gave her that water life. He gave her what she really needed. Something, if he would have just given her a drink of water, of physical water there, well, what would have happened in a few hours? Well, she's going to need another drink of water, isn't she? You know, you can give somebody a drink of water that's thirsty, you can help them quench that thirst, but they're going to get thirsty again later. And then we'll go on, also go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Just a couple chapters later. And we're not going to take time to read the whole story, but you know the story of the feeding of the 5,000. How Jesus went and took a lad's five loaves of bread and two fish and He fed a multitude. Now, why did He feed that multitude? They were hungry. Okay, They had a need, didn't they? They had a physical need. They were hungry. However, did Jesus gather all of them together just so He could give them a meal? No, He he didn't really... I don't think He cared that much about giving them a meal because here's the thing. You can give somebody a meal, but what's going to happen a few hours later? They're going to get hungry again. And look at verse let's go, uh, verse 47. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is this bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am that living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, 
which I will give for the life of the world. And he goes on, expounds on that. So Jesus, he talks about being the water of life, where if you drink it, you're never going to thirst again. He talks about the bread of life, where if you eat it, you'll never get hungry again. And what was that bread of life? Same thing. Salvation. Eternal life. If you get saved, you eat of Christ spiritually, you'll never be hungry for that again. It's something that lasts forever. And Jesus... When he got all that multitude out there, when they followed him out there, Jesus, he knew what was going on. He was smart. He knew they were going to get hungry. But he didn't get them all together so they could have a big meal. And they could see this miracle and wow, look at this great person who fed us. And not only fed us, but fed us with just a small amount of food, fed a multitude. He did it so he could tell them about himself so they could have eternal life because that was what they really needed. They were hungry. They needed a meal. But more than that, they needed salvation. And in both of these stories, people had a physical, a real physical need that Jesus helped them take care of. But he, the only reason he messed with those physical needs was so he could deal with their spiritual need. And today, people in churches, people think it's a place where you're supposed to be able to go and get all of your physical needs taken care of. I mean, every week we're getting calls. Can you do this for us? Can you help help us here? Can you, you know, I never get calls. Hey, we're having problems in our marriage. Can you help us? You know, we're having problems raising our children. Can you help us? Hey, you know we're we're being attacked by the devil. We're at, we're having some doubts spiritually. Can you help us? You know I've never gotten one call from somebody asking for spiritual help, but I get calls all the time from people asking for physical help. And I, I, listen, I'm not and I'm not criticizing these people. I'm not trying to put them down. But I'm telling you today in churches we've created this atmosphere and environment where churches all we do is help with the physical and don't touch the spiritual with a 10-foot pole. And a church is... Listen, there's nothing wrong with the church helping people with a physical problem. Nothing wrong with that. It's good to do that. We're going to look at a verse in a little while that proves that it is good to do that. And it is necessary sometimes to do that. But the church is supposed to be here to be fulfilling the Great Commission. To be spreading the Gospel. To be taking helping people with their real problem and that's their spiritual needs. And so really, just and I'm not trying to be mean, okay? And our church does some of this, you know, we do we do a little bit of this kind of thing. But I'm just gonna be honest with you. These things really by themselves are really pointless. And they don't do anything. For example, you know how many people, Christian people, spend thousands of dollars to go to a foreign country to go hand out food to people, only enough maybe to feed them for a couple days. They will. They'll spend a couple thousand dollars on a plane ticket, go out there where they can get everybody to stand in line, and they'll give them bottles of water. They'll give them some food. Hey, these people are hungry over there. Is there anything wrong with giving them that food? Absolutely not. That's a very nice thing to do. But here's the thing: you just spent two, three thousand dollars, so you could go give. Maybe a hundred people, enough food to last for a couple days. But here's the thing: what's going to happen a couple days from now? 
They're going to be hungry again, aren't they? They're going to be, you know, they're they're going to be back to starving again. And you know, the truth is, Jesus he never used money of any kind to help anyone. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus ever gave anybody money, or he used money. The only thing we time we ever see Jesus and money involved is when it came time to pay taxes. And Jesus didn't really pay taxes. He did. He shouldn't have had to pay taxes. He wasn't really a citizen of earth. But so they wouldn't offend anybody. He told Peter, "Go catch a fish." And remember, he found money in the fish's mouth, and they paid the taxes that way. But he didn't use money. But people they throw money towards all these things, and I'm not saying that's bad. But yet, here's they'll go and do that, and that's all they do. They'll go give all these people food. They'll give them water. They'll go out there. They'll dig a well for them. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing, they don't ever give them the gospel. They don't leave a pastor or a missionary out there to train these people, to teach them the Great Commission. And we'll go on to that a little more, but another thing too, and listen, this isn't a bad thing, okay? But people they'll do they'll go they'll spend all that money and they'll feel like I am a great, wonderful Christian. I went and helped all these people. Survive for two more days you know, that we're about to starve to death. And hey, nice thing to do, but another thing too, this makes people feel like they're a really good Christian, you know, giving money to a bum or buying them a meal. Okay, you know, why do people, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be too judgmental here, but when you see that guy out there holding a sign, when you see some bum out there in the street, maybe you're walking through the city begging for money, what is it? that usually makes people, especially Christian people, give them a little bit of money. Well, that's a Christ-like thing to do. That's a Christian thing to do. Okay, yes, but unfortunately, if you just give him money, what are you really doing? He's going to be hungry again in just a matter of time. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean you think about it. Five bucks? What does that really do these days? What does it really do? But people all the time, Christian people, they'll go give somebody who has some serious spiritual needs five bucks and think, man, the Lord must be impressed with me right now. Man, I know blessings are coming my way. I'm generous. That bum that everybody else looks down on, everybody else criticizes and just judges, I give him five bucks. You really didn't do anything, did you? Not in today's day and age. Five bucks, that won't even give you a value meal at McDonald's anymore. It doesn't doesn't do that much. You know another thing too that a lot of churches do. Nothing wrong with this, but take taking kids on fun activities. They'll do all these programs. They'll take kids to camps. They'll take them to do all these fun activities. They'll take them to fairs and carnivals and Six Flags and museums and all that stuff. Nothing wrong with doing that. But here's the thing: they'll spend all that money on that. But is it really taking care of these kids' problems? And there's some kids with some serious needs out there today. All of these, all of these things, without using the Great Commission, aren't doing anything. And it's amazing how many churches are doing all these things. They're feeding people. You know, they're giving money to all these places. They'll go on their missions trips. They'll take. They'll do all these fun, great programs with the kids. But these kids will go to these things and they don't know a thing about Jesus. They, they, don't know, they don't know one thing about Him. They've not been taught, taught anything about Jesus Christ. I mean, there's camps and things that, kids, that I know of that kids go to, not the ones that we go to, where they, they're not taught anything about the Bible. 
I mean, they might, though they might teach them, you know, that God loves you and that's about it. They don't teach them that they're a sinner. They don't talk about their need of a Savior. They don't talk about the law of God and about following Christ. And that shows us why we need a Savior. I mean, really, if you talk about Jesus loving you and Jesus being your Savior, but you don't talk about sin and you don't teach people about sin, well, then why do they need a Savior? It, it doesn't make sense. You cannot go and tell people, hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus thinks you're great. Jesus wants to save you and don't bring up sin. Why do I need a Savior unless I'm a hopeless helpless sinner? You have to have that in there. And everybody wants to lead it out. And so really, what is it that people are really needing? For example, all right, the poor in these third world countries that people spend thousands of dollars to go so they can feed somebody for a couple days. Okay? That's not a bad thing. If somebody has the money to spend $3,000 to go to a foreign country and pass out a few bottles of water and give, a, give away a few bowls of soup, hey, that's their money. They can do that. That's great. Okay? A missionary that's already out there, that's already starting churches, he could do so much more with that money. I mean, hey, there's nothing wrong with you doing that. It's good. It'll bring in an awareness. It'll help you have an appreciation for your country. But don't think you're just changing the world by doing that. You're not one bit. But what is it the poor in third world countries, what do they really need? Okay, You go into some of these third world countries. And this is where I might start sounding like I'm being mean, but this is just biblical. All right, let's say we go over to these places in Africa and people are starving. People are sick of all these diseases. People, they, they don't have wells. And, and they will they'll take these mission trips over there and they'll dig wells for people. They'll raise all kinds of money so they can dig wells. And yeah, they need wells over there. They need water over there. But what happens a lot of times? Well, sometimes some of these you know, militant groups and things, that are going, they'll go and destroy it. I mean, these, some of these places... You can go try to give them whatever you want. You can go drop food off and stuff for them. But the people, these militant groups and stuff that are running things in these countries, they'll go steal all of it. And they'll take it away from them. And what is it that they really need over there? What they need in those places is a change in their culture. They need a change in their culture. Look at Leviticus chapter 18, verse 24. So this, this might sound like we're being mean, but... Say, so, oh, well, these poor innocent children, it's not their fault. No, it's not those poor innocent children's fault, but it's that country, though it's those people, it's their culture. It's what's at fault. There's a problem with it. I know we're not supposed to say anything against anybody's culture, but there's some cultures that are bad, okay? Alright, there's cultures out there that, that eat people. That's bad. Okay? There's cultures out there in some of these countries where I mean the AIDS and things are just out of control. Why? Because there's some disgusting, horrible lifestyles that are being lived out there. And look at what Leviticus chapter 18, verse 24 says. It says, Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. Before this, he gives some laws about morality. Some of the laws, uh, and some of these things are disgusting. I'd rather not read them with kids around. But one verse that people, uh, you know, there's verses about homosexuality in here. Right before this verse we're going to read. Leviticus 18, verse 22. Good verse to have underlined these days. But it says in verse 24, Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. 
before Israel went into their land, before they went to that promised land, the Canaanites were there. They did all these immoral things that are going on in some of these third world countries. And God says, I'm casting them out. And listen to what verse 25 says. It says, and the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. You know why they can't you know, they don't have water. You know why they don't have food? You know why they have all those diseases over there? It's because they've defiled the land. We see that in the Bible where sin will defile a land. It will defile a nation. It will corrupt it. And when it says the land itself vomited them out, what does that mean? Well, it means it's going to be killing them off with famines. It's going to kill them off with plagues and diseases, you that type of lifestyle, it will defile the land and it will destroy its people. It says, Ye therefore shall um, keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew not you out. Also, when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations which were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among the people. Right there, God said it. So the, the land before the Jews got there, the land was vomiting them out. It wasn't a great place. When they got there and they were following the Lord, the land was great. They had plenty. They had plenty of food. Whenever Israel would get away from God, when they would start committing the abominations that the heathen did, the land would vomit them out. They'd have famines. They'd have plagues and things that would, that would wipe thousands of them out. And that's exactly what's happening in these countries today. And we can go over there and try to give them food. We can try to give them water. But if we don't give them what will change their culture, if we don't tell them about Jesus Christ, if we don't teach them to turn from sin and to live good, clean, moral lives, the land's just going to devour them up. Those wells that we dig them, some group over there, maybe some militant group, whatever, that needs to be hearing the Gospel and getting saved is going to go and destroy their well or poison their well or throw some dead animals in their well. I mean... The, you know that food that we try to leave them it's going to get stolen by thieves who should have heard the gospel and so really what did we really accomplish what these places really need they need morality they need well it's not their fault it's their government their governments are wicked but here's the thing and i this speaks for america as well as any other country governments are always a clear reflection of the people they represent. They are. You want to know, you want to get an idea of the people, just look at its government. And that's what's so scary about America today. Our government, I believe, is a clear, accurate reflection of its people. If we were doing right, our government would do right. Why? Because they don't have any backbone. They don't stand for anything. They just want to get reelected. And if we would start voting these people out that are legislating wickedness, they they straighten up their act. I mean, they turn they would turn things around. And so, what nations need? 
The Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. So these third world countries, what do they need? They need the Gospel. And if, if, a, if a group goes over and they do some of those other things that they feed them, do all that, there's an opportunity to get the Gospel out. And we'll look at, we'll look at that here in a little bit. That's okay. But understand, that food you gave them, that water you helped them get, didn't accomplish a whole lot. Same thing with Jesus' miracles. The miracles He did. Think about it. He, notice what He said in the passage about the bread of life. He says, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and died. Why did they die? Well, manna, it will only get you by from day to day. Eventually, those guys all died. Have you ever thought about this before? All those people that Jesus raised from the dead, are they still alive today? No. Some of them had two funerals. Think about, think about it. You know, uh, you know, we don't know what happened with Lazarus, but eventually he died again. And I don't know if Mary and Martha were still alive when Lazarus died for the second time, but I wonder what they're at that second funeral thinking. Here we go again. <laughs> we're, we're back at his funeral again. Why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? It wasn't because he needed to be back to life. It was because he needed to show everyone and to show us that he has the power to give eternal life. That was proof that he was the Messiah. That was proof that he was the Christ. And he helped a physical need. He raised somebody from the dead. But that was only temporary. All, the, all those people... The widow of Nain's son that was raised from the dead. He eventually died again. The young girl that was raised from the dead. She eventually died again. Those things were all temporary, but Jesus did those things because that gave Him an opportunity to preach the Gospel to them. And so they would believe. And when Jesus would do these miracles and they would believe in Him, what would happen is they'd get saved. They'd have eternal life. And yeah, Jesus raised somebody from the dead, but I promise He was more excited about all those that believed on Him than on the ones that got raised from the dead. You know, we would all be talking about the miracles. But Jesus, I believe He'd be talking about those who believed after that. That's what He was interested in because that's what they really needed. You know, children today, so you know, a lot of churches, they do things for kids, fun activities, that's great. But really, what do kids need these days? They need moms and dads. Moms and dads who love them, who love each other, and are raising them and training them. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six through nine. The Bible. We're not going to take time to read it. The Bible talks about the laws of God. That you teach them diligently. That you talk about them when you when you're sitting down. When you rise up, you you talk about them. You teach them diligently to your children and parents. Also, they need their parents. Providing for them. They need fathers to be that financial provider. First Timothy five eight talks about those who do not provide it says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Kids need to do some fun things sometimes. Kid needs provisions, kids need to be fed. But you know, in the Bible we see the responsibility falls on the father. And we could go, and you can take those kids on a fun activity. We can go give some kids a meal. But the truth is, it's hard enough to feed our own families these days, let alone we can't feed everybody's kids all the time. I mean, this area, I, I mean, there is a lot of stuff that's being done 
to help feed people, especially to help feed kids. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what needs to be happening in these er- this area is for people to be training fathers to provide for their families and to raise their children and for moms to, to be there for their children and to take care and to take care of them and to, and to love their fathers and to love their children if people would if people were teaching that then you know what we wouldn't need all these programs the kids wouldn't need all these after school programs to baby for that's just basically extra babysitting for the parents they wouldn't need that you know my kids they haven't been to those things why because we're taking care of them but so many parents these days, they're not doing that. And what? And like our country, our government, they're always talking about you know we need to have more funding to help you know feed the children. You know we can't have starving kids. Well, you know what? If we had parents that were doing their job, we wouldn't have starving kids. Why don't we fix the real problem and start teaching about two people? not coming together until marriage. You know why so many dads aren't taking care of their kids? Because they're dads when they're teen, irresponsible teenagers. Teenagers getting pregnant. Teenagers aren't ready to be moms and dads. You've got people that aren't married becoming parents. It's supposed to be people that are married. Two people that have made the decision that we are going to live our lives together rest of our lives. We're going to chain up our children in the way they should go according to the Word of God those people, those families are fine. All these people that all these programs are for, they're for people whose parents are not together. But what do we teach in our government today? You know, you're gonna have two dads, two moms. You know, we're more interested in stuff like that than teaching the truth that you need a husband and a wife. Not not just a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, love each other, committed to each other, having children after They've got after they've been married, and them raising them. If we did that, that's that's a real problem. We've got a there's a family problem in our country today, not a hunger problem, a family problem. There's dads who are spending what should be the food money on drugs and alcohol. Dads and moms spending it on gambling instead of the kids, and then the kids are hungry. And oh, what's you know somebody needs to do something to help me with my kids. I've been I've had the, I've had the calls. We need money for food, and you go over there, and the house smells like smoke. There's beer cans all over the house. And what? Why do these people do that? It's like they and they're always calling the churches. They think churches are just there. And you know we can help those people. And yes, they do need some food. But you know what they really need? They really need to get saved. If they would get saved. They quit doing that junk. If they start, if we would teach them the Great Commission, which isn't just about getting saved, but teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, then they'll start providing for their children. They'll start taking care of them. They'll stop wasting their money on junk and things that they don't need and using that to take care of their children. The fathers, the financial, the mothers, they're, the, they're, they're that emotional provider. You know, these days when kids are having problems, you know what parents do? Go talk to your school shrink. You know, you know what kids do? I mean, kids, I know kids like this, when they're having emotional problems, maybe they're dealing with problems in school, maybe they're having problems with bullying or whatever, you know, go talk to your school counselor. You know what they need? They need mom and dad. They need mom and dad to give them some support. And I don't know how to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. Go talk to the shrink. Go talk to a doctor. Let's see if we can. You know, oh, I'm anxious. I'm having anxiety problems. Uh, go see the doctor. We'll see if they can give you some meds to get rid of it. 
I don't want to deal with it. That is the attitude of parents today. And that's why it's so hard for children these days. And we can go, we can take them on a fun activity, and they'll forget about their problems for a little while. They'll have a good time. We'll put some food in their bellies and they won't be hungry. But then we're going to go send them right back home to the same mess they've been in for years and they're going to be in for years. And what they really need, they need Jesus Christ. They need the Great Commission. That bum that's out there. We see that guy out in the streets. So I'm not trying to be mean. Okay, but what does he need? One, he needs to get out those drugs, doesn't he? What do they what do they do half the time with that money? They might go buy a sandwich, they might go buy something to eat, but they're gonna go get more drugs. They're gonna get more drugs. He to get and for him to get off the drugs, he needs something else to live for. That's all they care about. You know, a lot of people that are out on the streets today spend all their money on drugs at one time were wealthy, well off people. And they, they got something happened, something bad happened in their life, and they lost everything. You know, there are many people, uh, one of the biggest things that people have go to rehab and stuff for these days is gambling addiction. A lot of the halfway houses are people who used to be wealthy people and lost everything from gambling. And they, they got addicted to it. And you know what? They, they need something else to live for. All they were living for before was money. It didn't do them any good. They had a lot of money at one time. We can go give those people money. You, you know, there, some of these bums that are out there, you could go give them your entire paycheck. And you know what? You could you give them a winning lottery ticket and you won't improve their life one bit. You can give them all the money in the world. It won't help them one bit. They need something to live for besides the drugs. They've got to want to change. You know, they don't. Many of them don't want to. You could go. I don't care if the guy that says we'll work for food. You could go and say, you know what, I got a job for you. And you could give them a job, and you know what, they'll do a sorry job. They'll be lazy. They'll work until you give them some money, and you'll give them money, and I can promise you, they will not be back the next day. They might come back a few days later after they run out of money. But it's it's just the way it is. They they don't want to admit they have a problem. But other areas where many times Christians, we only deal with the temporary. So not identifying the real problem. You know, going to doctors for drugs for every kind of emotional pain. People do that all the time. Just whatever they're going through, give me a pill. Give me something to fix the problem, you know, to make me feel better. People looking for a bailout wherever they can, anytime they have a financial problem. It's amazing. Like this morning, I talked about the, you know, the comedy. If your life's a comedy, same problems over and over and over again. Some of these financial problems, they have the same financial problem all the time. It's like, something's going on here. Nobody has that many catastrophes in their life. There's obviously a lifestyle problem. You know, blaming everybody else in the world for their anger problems. Just, you know, they're always getting in trouble. They're always losing their temper. They're always blaming everybody else. What is the real problem? What is it they really need? And the truth is, the Great Commission takes care of all these problems. And the Great Commission is so much more than just telling people about Jesus. It's so much more than just telling people Jesus loves you. If just telling people Jesus loves you is fulfilling the Great Commission, then Joel Osteen's fulfilling the Great Commission. But you've got to do a lot more than that. You have to teach them all things 
We're supposed to tell them, teach them about the whole Bible. We're supposed to teach them about sin. We're supposed to teach them to turn away from sin and to, and to do holy living. It's not okay. Or it is okay to use carnal things to help people, but without including the spiritual, it's pointless. It really is pointless. Our food pantry that we have, if we don't try to use that as an opportunity to share the gospel with people, we're not doing a bit of good. It's not. It's not going to change somebody. It's not going to change anybody's life. Many many times, the real problem it is a spiritual problem. Sometimes. Folks going through hard times, but you know what? If we have this thing for 10 years, it'll be some of the same people coming 10 years from now. And we won't fit, we will not fix one of their problems unless somewhere we can get in, we can get the Great Commission in there. Oh, well, you're not supposed to use things like that to, you know, evangelize. There's no other point for a church than to evangelize. There's this philosophy today that's real big that, you know, it's okay for you to have your religion. But you're supposed to keep it to yourself. That doesn't make any sense. Our religion is the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You cannot tell somebody you can have your religion, but you have to keep it to yourself. That totally goes against our religion. That makes no sense at all. We're supposed to constantly do this. And then go to James chapter 2. So it's like, well, then why do we do any of these carnal things? There's a reason for it. We are supposed to... It is okay. James 2, verse 15, we see it says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food... I want you to notice that word daily in there. If they're naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Why do we do some of these carnal things to help people? It's to get their mind off their daily problem and to get them to focus on their spiritual problem. That's why we do it. If somebody's hungry, if their stomach's ground and they're starving and they're thinking about that pain in their stomach, you're going to have a tough time preaching the Gospel to them. It's going to be very hard. But, we can take care of that for today. We can fill their belly today so they're not thinking about their hunger. They're not thinking that they're going to starve to death. And then, that might get their mind off their flesh just long enough that we can focus on the Spirit. That's why we do that. So we can, it gives us that window of opportunity. That naked or destitute of daily food. We can go feed them today. But here's the thing. Tomorrow they're going to be hungry again. And we need and so we're going to try to take care of that daily day so we can have that window of opportunity to give them the gospel. And churches today are nothing more than this place where they just help people with those carnal needs and they don't even bring up Jesus Christ. They don't even try to share the gospel with them. You know, don't you don't use these things to try to get people in your church. Well then I'm not going to do it. Okay, if we can't try to you know, use these things to witness the people and to try to get them into church and to make a difference in their life, then I'm not going to do it because we're just wasting our time. We're not doing a bit of good. Well, that's illegal. Well, then you know what? We'll take whatever money that's going towards that and we'll give it to a missionary 
that's using those things in a country so he can't give the gospel to people. I'm all for help. It is it is okay to help people. You're not doing a bad thing. If you go tonight and you give a bum that's out on the street five bucks so he can go get him a meal, you didn't do a bad thing. You did a nice thing. Did you change his life? Absolutely not. But if we were really trying, but and what you did, it was nice, but it wasn't Christian. What would be Christian is to go take him, fill up his stomach, and then give him the gospel. That's the Christian thing to do. That's called that's taking care of the real problem. We've got to learn to look at that. You know, look at, at, in your own life. Many times, our problems that we're dealing with, the things that we're stressed out about are about carnal things. And we've got to ask ourselves, do I have a carnal need right now? Or do I have a spiritual need right now? You know, we're obsessing maybe about a couple of hundred dollars that we need. But if, you had, if that, somebody gave you that couple hundred dollars, is that going to solve your problems? Are you not going to have any financial problems for the next year? Probably not. You probably are. So maybe... Maybe I got another problem. Maybe I'm wanting too much. Maybe I've got a spending problem. You know, maybe whatever. Find out what the real problem is. And as a church, we want to, our whole point of being here is taking care of the real problem, and that's the spiritual needs. And so we will, we will do, we will help people with food. We will do the fun activities with kids. We'll do whatever we can to help people. But we're not going to leave the gospel out. We're not going to leave the Great Commission out. We're going to do stuff to try to witness to these people. And if they don't like it, well, they'll know not to ask us for help anymore. Because we, I really want to help people. I really do. I would, and so you know how it is. Some, they've been having the same problems for years and years and years. And they've had church after church after church. They've called every church in town and every church in town has done a little something for them and it hasn't helped them out one bit. You know why? Nobody's got the Gospel to them yet. They still don't have Jesus Christ in their heart. What good did we do? We took care of a daily need, but we didn't take care of the eternal need. And that is why we're here. And we don't want to forget that. Taking care of the real problem. What people need, they need the Great Commission. Not just Jesus loves them, but that they're a sinner. And Jesus loves them. And they need to be saved. And they need to turn from their sins. And that is what would make the difference. So with that, let's stand together.